Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, so many people have wanted to be king. As we look through history, kings that would be crowned and honored and worshipped, royalty, set apart and said above. And then there's God. He sends the king of kings to earth, Jesus, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's a humble king, a servant king. You know, much of the heart of our church is derived from Jesus Christ himself, a servant king. I think about this week, we're going to be providing meals for some of our airmen on base. I think about an elementary school where all the faculty and the staff just received gifts from Lompoc Foursquare Church, from you all and your generosity. I think of some 20 families that we're going to bless at this Christmas season. We're going to make a difference in their lives. Some who, well, they have limited resources, but we're going to be able to help provide gifts for them and food for them and put a smile on their faces. And in the coming months, we want to honor our first responders and and those in the medical profession right here in Lompoc with some kind of just, well, loving gifts that we can give to them. And why is all of this important? Well, Jesus Christ modeled for us what it's like to be a king in heaven, the king of the cosmos, and come to earth. The king. Oftentimes kings, crowned and honored. But in the case of Jesus Christ, he comes to be that servant king. And the wise men, they gave gifts to Jesus. You see, when Jesus was born of a virgin, there was wise men, or the magi, very wealthy, educated Gentiles that traveled a long way to come and to worship Jesus. Little did they know at the time but they would be worshiping God in the flesh. Imagine that, the the King of kings and Lord of lords. And here, these these wise men, these magi, they, they travel a very long way. And they gave their very best gifts, unusual gifts at that, to Jesus. Matthew 2, verse 10 and 11 says, when they, the, the wise men, saw the star, They were filled with joy, and they entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened their treasure chest, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They opened their treasure chest and gave some unusual gifts. The frankincense represented Jesus as a high priest the representative of the people to God, as the one who would give his life and the one who would sit at the right hand of the Father making intercession for all God's people, for you and me. That's Jesus as high priest. And they gave myrrh. (laughs) Myrrh represents Jesus as the suffering servant, the Lamb of God. Now, myrrh was a valuable gum-like substance that grew on the side of trees. It's mentioned 17 times in the Bible, and occasionally it was used as an anesthetic. 
think of Jesus on the cross, and more than likely when the, the vinegar was brought to his lips when he said, I'm thirsty, it was a wine that had not yet been fermented, but it was mixed with myrrh. And it was also an ingredient that would be used for the embalming of somebody. And think, of course, of the burial of Jesus, the spices that were brought to him. Isaiah records in 53 verse 6 that all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own way, to do our own thing. But the gift of God was given to signify his kingship. This gift that would bring us back from our wandering and bring us closely to God. See, throughout history, because of the scarcity and the value of gold, this has been known as the gift that was fit for a king. And speaking of kings, get ready now. I want to play a little game with you. And those online and live at our 8 a.m. service, you can leave comments in the chat or on Facebook. And we're going to call this um, Name That King. So, so let's take a look at the first one. Take a look at this picture. What do you think of? Go ahead and write your answer. Go ahead. Type it out. You think of, well, I see Simba. And we think of the Lion King. Lion King. Hey, very good. Let's do another. Let's think about a big gorilla. <laughs> what do you think of when you think of this big gorilla? His name was King Kong. Yeah. And how about this guy? Anybody remember him? You old timers out there. He's called the King of Rock and Roll. Elvis Presley. And how about this? This is called the Whopper. <laughs> I remember the old commercial, have it your way, special orders don't upset us at Burger where? Burger King. And if you think of very scary novels, who do you think of? Well, you think of Stephen King. And if you think of interviews, who do you think of? You're going to think of an older guy who's still interviewing people, and his name is Larry, Larry King. Good answer. And who's this guy? Anybody know? Yeah. He is LeBron, nicknamed King James. And then here's a guy, huh, rock and roller, who could play the blues, and his name was, yeah, the late B.B. King. But I want to talk about Jesus as king because he's the king like no other. And I hope you did really good on answering those questions about different kings. But the Apostle Paul said to his young protege, Timothy, and in 1 Timothy 6.15, it says, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. Now, when Paul said this in the Greek language, language, it was completely impossible for him to state this any more powerfully than he did. There's no way for him to emphasize this anymore, even with like 100 exclamation points. 
And here's what I'd like you to write down today, that Jesus is the supreme authority over all the kingdoms of the world. The entire universe is in the hands of King Jesus. He's the king like no other. God had a very unusual and unexpected way to show his love in the world. You see, people were expecting a Messiah, a, a Savior, a king to be born in some kind of palace surrounded by wealth and luxury and comfort, not in a manger, not a stable. You see, they wanted a king who would stop their problems and get rid of their Roman governmental oppression. And no one expected the king to be born in poverty in a cave next to the smelly, stinky animals. They, they didn't expect the Savior, the Messiah, to, to be the son of a carpenter born in Nazareth. You may remember the words of Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? No one predicted that the king of glory, the son of the almighty God, would befriend the outcasts and the marginalized, that he would heal the lepers and, and love those that religious institutions rejected. Ever imagined a king who would choose an uneducated fisherman and despise tax collectors and rebellious troublemakers, sons of thunder, to be his own disciples? They never imagined the king of the Jews would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey of all creatures. And no one, I mean no one, expected the king of kings to stand trial for crimes, crimes he never committed. And no one ever imagined that an innocent king would be beaten, whipped, scourged, stripped naked, and hang on an instrument of torture known as a cross, dying a death that a criminal deserved to die. And no one would have ever imagined this king hanging on a cross as the creator in the flesh, as the creation, the people that he created mocked him and spit on him, that this king, while he was suffering, would look up to heaven and pray to his father, Father, have mercy on the very people that were torturing him. He said, Father, please forgive them because they don't really understand what they're doing. When, when they offered him a drink to dull the pain, he rejected it, facing the full agony of the sin of the world, and he declared, it is finished to tell us die. I did exactly what you sent me to do, Father. In the, your hands I commit my spirit. No one ever expected the king to die a shameful death in front of people that were mocking him. When he breathed his last breath, there was no one predicting that the sky would go dark and the earth would shake and the world would lose hope as they buried a dead king in a borrowed grave. No one expected three days later when, when some women went to check on the tomb that the stone would be rolled away. You see, the body was not there. Jesus rose just as he said, a risen king. A risen king. There's no king like this king. And what an incredible way for God to show his love to a broken and sinful world. And so I have a question for you. How have you responded to Jesus 
as the King of Kings? What's been your response from your heart? How do you think about him? How do you call upon him? How do you believe in him? What's interesting to me is when you look at the story in the very first century, you see three very distinct responses to Jesus as king. And here we are over 2,000 years later, and we see the exact same responses to Jesus as king. The first one represented by King Herod. And if you know the story, you know that Herod opposed Jesus as king. He wanted to guard and protect his own personal kingship. Remember, as I said, as we started, everybody wanted to be crowned as king. It was a revered position. Everybody did what you said. They bowed before you. And so Herod issued a decree that all the boys under the age of two in Bethlehem would be put to death because he heard there might be a king who would threaten his kingdom. And he would lose his influence, his market share of influence. I don't want religion to be a disruptor on my life. I've heard people say that. And it's one of the ways, it's our first point, that we're opposing Jesus as king. People are still opposing Jesus as king. Herod opposed Jesus at every turn. I've heard it said, I don't need religion. I don't need any outside force influencing my life. I have enough to deal with. I had a person tell me a while ago, you go right ahead. Keep preaching about God and about faith and about life. You go right on ahead. But I'm doing fine on my own. You see, to reject Jesus is to oppose him. And you are opposing Jesus as king. And there was a second group. I, I think this is profoundly common today. These were the Jewish priests, and they didn't write out, oppose Jesus. They just dismissed him as king. And that's the second point. We could find ourselves dismissing Jesus as king. Now, even when they, as Jewish priests, quoted the scripture, they quoted from the Old Testament, even verses like Micah 5, 2, that says, but you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come, or out of you will emerge for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. A ruler from Bethlehem, and yet these priests lived approximately five miles away from the epicenter where the king of kings was born in the flesh, and they don't even show up to worship Jesus as king. The same kind of thing happens all the time. Not a complete opposition, but a dismissal. You go ahead with your worship. You go ahead with church. You go ahead and watch that church service. Or you go ahead and read the B-I-B-L-E. All good, just not for me. And the Jewish priests do what's common today. They just dismiss Jesus as king. How often has we heard, well, Jesus was a great rabbi. Or Jesus was a great teacher. Or Jesus was a great friend of people. But here's another question. What's your response to Jesus as king? 
Do you welcome Him and His teachings into your life? Or do you dismiss Him? Or do you bow down? Because that's exactly what the wise men did. Now some may say this, it's a good story, but it's not for me. (laughs) But we want you to know Him. And I say we because it's not just me, it's our entire church is praying for all people to know him, that God came down, that God came near us. What a miracle. The righteous King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's still with us today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, some opposed him, and they still do. Some dismissed him, and they still do. But the third thing I want us to see is bowing to Jesus as king. Bowing. Then there were these wise men. The wise men bowed down and worshiped Jesus as king. It's amazing. You know, Charles Spurgeon said, those who look for Jesus will see him, and those who truly see him will worship him, and those who worship him will consecrate their substance to him. Their substance. Their gifts. Their gold, their frankincense, their myrrh. Our, our finances, obviously. But more than that, our hearts and our lives surrendered and consecrated to him. The ultimate response to show reverence and awe and honor to the God of heaven who became one of us in the person of Jesus. And they said, it's not about me. It's not about my throne. It's not about my desires. It's all about surrender. That's what the wise men model for us. With everything in me, I bow down. I bow down. It's the most surrendered posture of all to show my reverence and to look up to heaven and say, Jesus, you're my my king. The king of the universe is the king of my heart. And they sought out Jesus to worship him. In Matthew 2, verse 11 again, it says, they saw the child and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They saw him, they bowed down, and they worshiped him. Pastor and prolific author Max Lucado says, worship adjusts us. It lowers the chin of the, of the haughty, and it strengthens the back of the burden. It bows the knees, singing to him our praise, opening our hearts and offers to him our uniqueness. Worship properly positions the worshiper, and oh, how we need it. We walk through life so bent out of shape, cure any flare-up of commonness by setting your eyes on our uncommon king. Worship lifts our eyes and sets them on, on the realities of heaven, not just on earth. On the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in a place of honor and power. We worship God because we need to. But greater than that, God deserves it. God would die for your sin before he'd let you die in your sin. I got to say it again. God would die for your sin before he'd ever let you die in your sin. What do you do with such a Savior? You lift up your gift in worship. Take a moment in this season to prepare your heart to worship this King 
to give him honor, to give him reverence for who he is. Who is this king that he gave his life for us? He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of all kings. Jesus, this king, greater than our fear and our uncertainty. He's our king. That's what Christmas is all about. He comes to strengthen the weak. He delivers the captive. He restores those who are broken and hurting. He's the king. He's the shelter in your time of trouble. He's the light when your world is dark. And for so many, our world is dark. He's the prince of peace when we can't find any peace. He's the lamb of God, the alpha, omega, the beginning and the end. He's the resurrection and the life. He's our king. His goodness is indescribable. His power is incomprehensible. His grace is irresistible. And at his name, darkness trembles. In his presence, the demons flee. The devil hated him. He could not stop Jesus. Death could not defeat him. The grave could not hold him. Jesus, that king, and I want you to know him. We want you to know him. You don't want to oppose him. You can't really dismiss him because you see him as who he is. And if in your heart you want to worship him and revere him and honor him, I would encourage you to lift up your voice, maybe even your hands, and say, Our Father, we worship you. Jesus, we worship you as a true king, supreme ruler of the universe. Not just a king who reigns, but a king full of love and full of grace. Not just one who came to rule, but one who came to die so we could live and be in relationship with you. That's Christmas, beyond the music and the decorations and the kids and the presents and the wrapping paper and the trees and all that goes with Christmas. And I love it all. This is a dear God who came to change our lives and change our eternities through a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. May we all come to him, the King and the Savior, and believe in Him like never before. And this is the time to give our lives to Jesus. It's His grace, it's His goodness, and I will say this without reservation, you need Him, you need His forgiveness, you need His presence, and you need to embrace the promise that He says, I'm here. Whatever you're sensing, it's the goodness of His love, and his grace. Don't allow the darkness of the season to overshadow the light of Christ. That's why we call the gospel good news. What's the good news? As simple as I can explain it, as simply as I can share it with you, that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, born of a virgin, lying in a manger. He didn't inherit the sin nature from an earthly father, Joseph. But instead, he kept the divine nature from his heavenly father, God the righteous. He was all God. He was all man. All at the same time, God in the flesh. He was perfect in every way. 
He honored God with a sinless life, and therefore he could be our innocent sacrifice. He shed his blood on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And some may say, Pastor, that's not the Christmas message. Oh, dear ones, it is. For Christ was born to die. He was born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Our God raised him from the dead so that anyone, and this includes you and me, who calls on the name of the Lord that is above every name, the name of our true high priest, the name of our suffering servant, the name of our king that's above every king, his name is Jesus. And when you call on his name, God hears your prayer and he forgives all of your sins and he makes you brand new. If you're giving your life to Jesus today, I would encourage you to leave a comment or to email us at office at lompokefoursquare.com. And we will keep your email confidential. But I want to so desperately be able to pray with you and to encourage you and myself and our team to welcome you into the family of God. It's by believing in your heart and confessing with your lips, Jesus Christ, that you are saved. And the King of Kings comes and lives inside of your life. What an unusual way, unusual way to come to work. In the form of a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. But that's what God does. He does miracles. Born of a virgin, he does miracles. And he's willing to change your life and your heart and your family. And he's willing to help you overcome the situations and circumstances of your life. How can he do that? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Dear God, thank you for this day. And thank you for Christmas, just a few days away. We rejoice in all that we're able to embrace in this season. And no matter what's going on on the outside, in our hearts, we can have an intimate relationship with you. And we can share the story of King Jesus with others. I encourage you to tell people about Jesus. Don't be shy. Maybe share this message with someone. Or maybe just write a few notes down and add it to a note card and send it to someone about how this king came for them and their lives. We're going to keep serving people because Jesus, he's our servant king. And we're going to keep bowing our knee and raising our song because Jesus, our king, deserves our praise. May God richly bless you. Merry, merry, merry Christmas. And I pray that somehow the miracle of God and our King, that 2021 is going to be a better year than 2020. And I know you can agree with me on that. So this Christmas Eve, December 24th, at 5 p.m., we have a service that's going out for you, and we're calling it Christmas at home. And you could sit around with others and enjoy some Christmas at home. And if you're local and you want to join us at 6 p.m. for our outdoor Christmas Eve service, I invite you. We're going to have some carols and some candlelights, and we are going to worship the King. Until next time, God bless you richly, 
And if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. We're here to serve you. God bless you. And one last time, Merry Christmas. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.